Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. This podcast, what we do every week, we always try and be like kind of positive and upbeat. And I don't want to ever be delusional. I always want to be like realistic. Yeah. And we are in the middle of, I mean, who knows whether we're in the middle or the tail end, but like we've been talking about this global situation for a year now. Um, that's a bloody long time. It is a bloody long time. And I think what's mad about that is this show has been going for two years. So for half of the time this show has been going, we've been in this yeah. weird situation, which just seems Fuck. absolutely mental. Because I'm even thinking back to like when we used to record in person and do all those kind of things. Like that seems like, kind of seems like not long ago, but then actually seems like, well, it was half the podcast ago, which is crazy. That is fucking nuts. Um, yeah, so I wanted today to talk about positivity in just sort of like a more practical way of don't let this fucking thing get you down because it is bloody hard i think we did uh we did access a couple of weeks ago and we've got our next access coming up on the 2nd of march so go to creativerebels.co forward slash access to sign up for the next one but in the last one um helen kirkham asked us a question and she was like do you always do all of the advice that you give to people and i have been thinking about that ever since she said it because it's so interesting. So we come yeah. on here every week and we say all of this shit. And it's like, to a, to a large degree, we do do 90% of it. But like, definitely in terms of social media, there's loads more we could do for the podcast. We we uh, we literally post minimal amounts on Instagram for the podcast. Um, because I think the stress of doing that, we've just decided like, look, this is a good show. People are going to tell other people about it. And it's going to it's going to spread organically like that. We could give it an extra push by putting in all of this time on Instagram, but which is what we like advocate that people do. But for us, it's like, is is the growth that that's going to bring actually like that worth it to us? And it's like, no, we've got businesses to run. We've got our own side projects that we're working on. Our time is better spent on those things. So it's like, whilst we are doing the things that we're telling people that they should do, we're only doing them to like, a, a degree of sanity where we are able to to kind of keep ourselves grounded and in the things that we're actually doing to the stage where we're enjoying it i love this podcast man i don't want it to become a chore yeah i think that's a really important thing to do like whatever it is you're working on making sure that that never becomes a chore and making sure that the balance is always there in what you're doing and i suppose a lot of it comes down to as well it's like how can you find fun in those little things that aren't so enjoyable but then making it so it's like you're just doing enough of it that it doesn't become like a job. I think that's the the biggest problem that I think a lot of creatives have. And like I know I've definitely experienced it over the years where you go through this kind of endless cycle of oh, growth, growth, growth. I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then you're actually like, hold on, this feels like work. I'm not enjoying this anymore. And it's like, if I'm if you're in that state, then you might as well just go and have a job for someone else, have so little stress compared to what you would have for doing something for yourself. So I think it's so worth kind of like stepping back every now and again and just thinking like, am I enjoying doing this or, or am I doing this because I feel like I absolutely have to. For example, I know like things like like new um, social media platforms will pop up all the time and people will go over to them and they'll be like, oh, I feel like I have to do this. And then they'll just be like, oh, I'm hating doing this. I'm just doing it because I need like the likes and to get people over to my other platforms and it's like, oh, I don't really want to be doing this. And with all that, I think it's really worth trying to think like, is there a way that I can enjoy doing this? 
and giving it a go in lots of different ways. And it might even be that you come to the decision that this just isn't for me. Like I'm not going to find happiness in this. I've tried, I've given it a good shot. I've tried in lots of different ways and it's not, not happened. And I think what's interesting, I was in a room on Clubhouse yesterday and it was with someone who was talking about kind of TikTok and other platforms. And they were talking about Clubhouse specifically and how they'd gone onto that and they'd finally found a platform that just suited them. Like this was someone who's used to talking, used to presenting, used to like being in front of an audience. And then suddenly it was like, wow, there's been a social media platform invented that just fits everything that I do so perfectly already. And I feel like sometimes it does take a bit of time to go around and try different things and work out what works for you. Does Twitter work better for you? Does Instagram work better for you? Does TikTok work better for you? Does Clubhouse work better for you? And just exploring them all because realistically, if you're one person working for yourself, you can't do them all. Like there's only so much time in a day and to do them all properly, you're going to spend all your time just marketing and not any time actually doing what your craft is. Yeah, I've I've really, with, with my own personal paintings, I've um, really decided to spend the bulk of my time creating the work and then it's just the work that that speaks for itself so i don't um we were talking the other day about hashtags and i don't i don't bother with hashtags because i can't because i can't be bothered to put in the time to do all the research and because if you're using hashtags it's going to make the most sense to use ones that aren't oversaturated but in finding those ones that have only got like 10,000 20,000 um hits to them that actually takes quite a lot of research and I can't be bothered to do it so I don't do it and that makes me happy and and putting the time into the paintings knowing that if I can produce work that is good enough that I shouldn't need to worry about algorithms. I shouldn't need to worry about hashtags and the work will carry itself. Yeah, we're currently writing a book proposal at the moment and the section I'm working on at the moment is marketing. And I'm thinking, like, I was thinking this morning about like how to intro it. And I was actually thinking, well, marketing can be like the absolute worst thing for a creative because it can send you just down this rabbit hole of just trying to get all your work out there. And you spend so much time doing that that you're not actually working on the craft. And there needs to definitely be the balance of making sure that if you go onto social media, it, you're going on there to actually market your product rather than just kind of, if I'm like, oh, what are you doing? And you're just on, oh, I'm on Instagram, which I imagine every single person listens to this does. Like, and then someone's like, and you're like, oh, Probably right I'm working. <laughs> and it's like, you're not working. You're just on there flicking around and just like having a play. But you can kind of trick yourself into thinking just by being on those platforms that you are actually putting the work in to get your work out there. Whereas I think the best form of marketing, if you're a creative or anyone producing anything visual, is to produce the work, is to produce the visual content that can then be shared and that should speak for itself. Like that should be what's marketing you rather than not spending enough time on your craft, not developing it, not getting better and spending so much time just trying to promote something that isn't quite good enough. Yes, you, you know how we look for things and try and make them true so our our brain has this sort of weird capacity to if we think something we we then look for the supporting evidence around us to make yeah. it true that's one way of how they measure intelligence your ability to do that better is one way to show that you're more intelligent so actually if you kind of find ways to prove yourself right then it's it can be your downfall but it also proves that you've got an intelligent brain yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? There's, there can be people that you really respect and then all of a sudden they come out with these balmy things and you're just like, oh, wow. And you can tell that they <laughs> yeah. really truly believe it. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it can be mind-blowing at times. Um, 
but I think in terms of the pandy, when it comes to like getting what you find for, it's for me has really been trying to look at this as a blessing rather than a curse, which is fucking hard sometimes. Like I know everyone is going through so much stuff. And actually I'm researching a guest that we've got coming up soon. And through looking at that, like realizing how many small businesses are, will go out of business as soon as all of the government support ends. And it's just all being propped up at the moment on this like house of cards that is going to tumble down. I know that there's definitely people out there who've not got loads to look forward to in the future. So um, what I've really been trying to do with this time is look at it positively because because again like we've spoken about this before i'm not naturally like the most um positive person i can be a real pessimist and that's something that i've had to work on over times we talked about it in in my episode when you said that i was grumpy and and, like (laughs) it's definitely something that i've worked on over, over the years and i i really could look at this whole situation in a really like negative light and get myself bogged down by it and every day i am trying to do something positive, build for a future for when we're coming out of this. Like currently I'm trying to uh, think about having a solo show when people can actually come and view artwork in person. And we've been talking about bringing access events and making them in person again. And all of these things that we're planning for, for a future, we don't know when it's coming, but we are sure that it is going to come at some point. So I think what I wanted to do this week is just tell people to hang in there. Like, we have we have got your back. This has gone on for far too long and is going to continue for who knows how long. But drag whatever positives out of it that you can while we're in the middle of it. Because I think it will be awful if we get to the end of it and then everyone goes, actually, I had all that time back then and I didn't execute. I didn't go for the things that I was trying. Like I could have been planning something that was ready to launch after the madness but I didn't and now I'm planning and I should have used that time and so don't have any regrets as, as you come out of it um and just like keep keep on top of your sanity I think that's like I've been really trying to check in with myself and with those who are close to me of just like how are we all doing how are we coping through this and everyone is gets their peaks and valleys at different times so it's just making sure that you don't get stuck in those valleys yeah 100% and I think now's a really good time and I've kind of advocated it quite a few times over the past year of reaching out to people that you find interesting and just striking up conversations like in the past week I've had maybe like three conversations with people that I didn't know that have been really interesting and I feel like once you kind of get into having a conversation and it becomes more of a just instead of just small talk you start to get deep into someone's life and like how they're doing and what they're struggling with I think people really open up and you can start to really form those connections. And I think there's so much time left before everything gets back to normal to start reaching out to people if you haven't done it already, to start networking people, start building relationships online. So when things get back to normal, you can then meet people offline. I think now, yeah, now is a really, really good time to do that. And I think one thing that is worth doing as well that I've been doing quite a bit recently is if I've been messaging people like who are my friends on Instagram, I'll be like, how's it going? And then I'll also say, are you struggling with anything this week? Just asking like the extra little question at the end. Because if you say to people, how's it going? They'll generally say, I'm good, I'm fine. Whether they are or whether they're not. But actually by putting that extra bit of like, just wondering if you're struggling with anything this week, then suddenly people open up a bit more and you can start to have a proper conversation. And I think now, especially there are so many people who are in need of that conversation. Like we're quite fortunate the fact that we get to talk to each other like well, via Zoom um, and then with the guests every week. So we're constantly being stimulated, constantly like 
kind of having meetings and things and it's continuing to go but i think if you're if that doesn't sound like what's happening in your life it is important to start making those connections because there's a good chance that someone else on the other end of it is looking for them too and if you can kind of be there to support someone when they need it when everything gets to be like good and better again those people are going to remember that time that you kind of helped them and those relationships can be even better in the future so now is like the perfect time to forge them and i feel like that segues quite nicely onto this week's episode which is with charlie osborne who is one of my good friends i've known him for many many years now since university and he's been someone who i've always wanted to get on the show because i know that we're like down the pub we'd always like have really good long conversations and i know the kind of things we talk about are the kind of things that we talk about on this show kind of a lot around kind of psychology like human behavior kind of marketing and that kind of thing um, so I think it's really this is a really interesting episode to just go into into Charlie's journey a bit because I feel like there's a lot of inspiration that can be taken from this. Yeah, I feel like it was almost a, a kind of case study on everything that we talk about in the show of how to start and do your own thing. And with that comes like a lot of self-discovery, a lot of patience, a lot of going through the process, learning new skills, and then just having the bravery to to take the plunge. I feel like... I feel like Charlie, there's been several stages during his path where a lot of people would have gone, no, that's no, I don't want to do that because that's too yeah. scary. And that's those are the are the points where he has jumped. So, I'm, so I think a lot of people would be able to get a lot out of his journey and his path to get there. So let's get into this week's episode. Hello, Charlie Osborne. Hello, Nate. How are you? Good. How you doing? Yeah, all's well, thanks. So this is a, an episode. So for, for people listening, Charlie is one of my good friends that I've known since uni days. So a really long time. And I feel like everyone's probably got one of those friends where they've been down the pub, they've had a really good conversation. And then they've said to themselves, oh, we should have recorded that. That would have made a great podcast. <laughs> and for a really long time, I've wanted to get you onto the show. But because your career has changed so much over the past, like however many years, I feel like now's the perfect time to actually kind of have this conversation because I feel like you're in, in exactly the right place. So nice. going back to when we first met, I wouldn't have thought of you as being a creative person, but now thinking back about what my definition of creativity is, like I see creativity as problem solving. Thinking back to kind of how you were at uni, the kind of games you used to play, I really see you had a love for problem solving. Like how would you define creativity? Uh, yeah, I think that, to be honest, I wouldn't have described myself as creative either back then. Uh, and it really took me a lot of experimentation and the years of, of trying to figure out what I was into, what I liked to start to say, I actually am creative. This is the kind of thing I'm into. This is what my strengths are. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's, it's interesting if you saw at university, there were a few little, maybe a few little hints and a few things that you could start to see that, okay, maybe Charlie is creative. Maybe he's got some of these little sparks um, I mean, probably, probably it's true to say that everybody is to some degree, but it took me a bit of time to get there. And I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, for me, especially the kind of creativity that I feel like I, uh, I excel at is very much uh, the problem solving aspect. It's, uh, it's that kind of puzzle puzzling aspect that I just love. I love to do. Um, and I've, I've pretty much kind of applied that to design when I started up design. I just realized that my conception of design was that it was like very artistic and that you needed to be yeah you know you good at drawing and uh you have this artistic flair but it just turned out that a lot of design is actually conveying information clearly and knowing how to use these really technical tools 
And actually, yeah, it just turns out this is a very problem-solving uh, centric industry. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there because creativity. I think most people um, confuse with artistic. And that's why a lot mm. of people say that they aren't creative is because they think that they, I, I don't do art, so therefore I'm not creative. And it's like, yeah, creativity is so much wider. And it's, it's really interesting that you say it was it was only through, like gradually it it revealed itself to you as you as you went forward through your career of just actually maybe I am a creative. And as soon as you can then reframe that for yourself and, and name yourself a creative, then like you give yourself permission to actually like start to really enjoy things and, and I guess stretch the limits when it comes to problem solving. Totally, yeah. And I, I do find that it is almost like a muscle you can train. So, you know, once you do start to tell yourself, as you say, I'm creative, I'm a creative doing a creative job, um, you start to realize that you can actually uh, use that skill in different ways in your life. You can start to apply it more in your career. You can start to think about yourself. And it almost becomes a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You start to go, yeah, you know, I'm a creative. And suddenly this path opens up in front of you. Um, it's kind of a weird thing, but um, it's, yeah, it's definitely true. Uh, can I just ask quickly, what were what were the games? Are, you, are we talking video games or were you guys doing some weird <laughs> things down the pub? The first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about that question was we used to play a game called Fantastic Contraption, mm. which was, Great game. you kind of, you had to get a ball from one end of the screen to the other side of the screen. And all you had were these like little cogs and little connectors. And you had to basically build a little machine that kind of would somehow get there. And some of them were just insanely hard. And it was a bit like um, Super Mario Maker where you could go online and people would have made their own levels where some of them were just like impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I need to go and find this game again because it's been years since I've played it and it's so good. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely plays on that that mix of creativity and problem solving. That game was, was awesome. But yeah, I mean, for me, many of these games like you know just chess for example chess is a game that i have always loved ever since i first came, came into contact with it and again it's this game that people think of as a very kind of in a way quite rigid in some sense or um you know they've got a certain amount of pieces and just a certain amount of squares but within that there's this whole you know universe and world of, of creativity that you can get into um so yeah that, that was just my version of creativity i suppose uh that that i found myself falling into quite naturally it's interesting as well because i was talking i was actually yeah off like not related to this i was actually talking to lucy the other day about how good you are at any sport with a bat and <laughs> or a racket i suppose would be the thing and i suppose those games aren't like hugely physical in terms of like you don't need to be insanely fit to be able to do them but a lot of that will come down to the strategy and the tactics and i suppose the creativity you would put into those moves for sure for sure i think that's that and you're touching on an interesting point that i've been thinking about which is when you look at the things that you're interested in as a person right and you can look at this wide range of things you know whether for me it's racket sports and chess and a variety of other things and then you can kind of almost see a common thread sometimes throughout those different things yeah and when you realize what that common thread is then it's almost like you can you can say that about yourself you can actually understand that about myself i can see that i'm the kind of person that loves uh for, so for me it'd be like yeah problem solving finding a finding a strategy to to get from a to b you know whether that's you know winning at a game or whatever like and and as soon as i personally had that ability to say i can see this common thread amongst a lot of the things that I love doing. I, it gave me a lot of kind of power to be able to say, okay, 
what else would I be good at then? That this is this is the kind of path I should be going down. This is these are the strengths I should be playing to, you know, rather than a lot of the other things that I was finding myself doing early in my career, which probably weren't playing to my strengths. Um, so so yeah, that, that's definitely a really interesting point. And you you find the connections in like the strangest places as well. It's like I never would have thought that I could find a link between for me and Adam doing um, like the podcast linking to my paintings or the podcast linking to Adam's photography but there's definitely elements of like what I'm trying to achieve with the podcast that totally overlaps with my painting so that yeah that's a that's a really good observation um one thing I'm I'm thinking about as well is when like specifically when you mentioned chess there is like quite often when we have like limitations and it's not just a blank page where you can do anything it's like you've got a set of confines then that is actually where you can be much more creative than when you've got like unlimited options totally yeah i mean it's, it's almost like you know what they say about the, the the nightmare client is the one that comes to you and says oh we just we just want anything mm. um that's why they <laughs> yeah. run away screaming for the hills right um you want them to be to give you that framework to work within you right and in that sandbox in a way to play within yes yeah, so taking this right back i interviewed david the other week for the podcast and when i was kind of like researching him it was very much like researching you like i'm not going online to find it i'm just going through my memory bank <laughs> and trying to pick on different things and then I suddenly kind of started to realize like, actually I've known you for maybe 14 years now or something. And I don't know what your life was like at school. Like, I don't know what kind of student you were, what you were into when you were like a certain age. What was school like for you? And kind of what did you enjoy doing when you were growing up? My experience of school was largely not that enjoyable to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I wasn't academic, I'm not academic. Um, so in terms of, you know, how I was doing in terms of the performances, in terms of grades, you know, dealing with dyslexia, dealing with not having a natural ability with a lot of these uh, topics. It's kind of basically school to me was just, you know, memorizing a lot of information and then having the ability to then write that information down onto a piece of paper. And the the information in my mind was there, but to write it down to a piece of paper, no, no good. I couldn't do it. Um, mm. And, you know, explaining it vocally way you know totally totally fine but as soon as it was you know getting a, a pen in my hand and having to write it out it just didn't work out so for me school was in in that regard was a struggle for sure and that's the you know, that, so looking at it from that perspective that was really kind of almost the beginning of this kind of okay what you know you always are kind of asking yourself what am I good at what is the thing that I'm mm -hmm. going to be like doing and and where are my skills at and again I would I would probably draw our attention back to okay yeah i'm not doing so well with these academic things but there are these other things let's say again chess for example um that i'm i'm really excelling at or you know music you know playing instruments things there's these different um aspects of different things that i would just draw, drawn to naturally and other things i was dramatically bad at and i think there's a theme here which is you know looking at looking at what i naturally i'm not good at what i'm naturally good at and starting to say okay this is my strengths and how can i use that how can i play to them has been probably one of the big endeavors in a sense over the last yeah you know 20 years or so and as that student well what were you kind of thinking of like this is what i want to do when i grow up this is kind of how i see myself in the future did you have a career path that you kind of were aiming for or were you just a bit lost totally totally lost <laughs> Um, I yeah I, I mean really as you've seen probably Adam you know my career path has been so um, non-linear right I was going down one route uh, I left university you know we obviously met at university you, you know I left university went into this first thing that was media um, because I didn't know what I wanted to do 
And unfortunately, that just happened to be the absolute opposite of what I'm good at and what I'd enjoy. So it was, it was a really difficult you know, time. And yeah, fruit trial school, college, university, absolutely no real idea of where I wanted to go with things. And it did take me a long time to, uh, to get to that point where I actually started to get, a, get an idea of actually this is the direction I should be going in. And I suppose that's why I'm talking about uh, so far, just talking about looking for those common themes and threads of what, what is it that you have been drawn to though? You know, what are the things that you have really enjoyed? Can you see the themes amongst that? And if you can, then you can start to apply that and think, okay, what is that telling me? You know, that, is that telling me I should be doing something that is more creative, that is uh, more to do with problem solving again? And, and then making sure that I'm going down that route. And, and ever since I've done that, you know, things have gone way, way better. So, it's yeah. difficult though, isn't it? Because I think, and, and I'm guessing it's better now just through some conversations that I have, but I still don't think it's solved, is that through school, if you're not good at the academic subjects, then you're kind of really not presented with any other options. And especially, I, I know people with dyslexia certainly feel this this kind of big fear like hanging over them of like, oh shit, I'm not good at this stuff, therefore I'm not good. Like there's nothing for me out there in the wider world. I think that's it. And I think it's it's making sure you're not telling yourself that story that basically you know school has taught, taught you this story which is just keep going this is the only option you have right this is the only way it works school is school right there's no real flexibility there so push through it and make it work if you can and you know try and get a square peg through a round hole and doesn't you know obviously that doesn't always work out too well and then you're going to go into the career and it's a very similar story you're kind of now with this mentality of trying to get the square peg into a round hole still but it's better to be if you can to say actually what what other options are there available which there are many and uh how can i find my groove how can i find the thing that that really suits me and that for me once i managed to make that that uh, mental shift that mental change and say actually no there, there are actually other options available now once you get into your career this is where this is where the whole landscape opens up and you can really choose which direction you want to go in. And that, once I once I realised that, that for me personally has been uh, a pivotal moment. Really, you know, uh, being able to being able to make those decisions and, and go in the direction that suits you best. So, uh, kind of going back to back to uni there, I like you studied business and psychology. I feel like that is such a unique mix, which seemed to like, in retrospect, complement each other really well. What was the decision behind picking that course? Basically, I couldn't make a decision onto one. So, and <laughs> and you know, really, it was it, marketing was for for what one reason, which is basically like you know, let's let's choose something that would make sense for a career, right? Um, you know, I could probably make some money doing that. You know, it's a practical choice. And then for, uh, uh, psychology was more of a. Um, just what do I enjoy? Like, what is really fascinating to me? What would I just love to learn about? And yeah, having having both of those kind of balance each other out was great. And looking back, and I'm so glad I did go with you know, including psychology because really I look back now and think a lot of the way that I think and a lot of the things I'm interested in naturally still are you know to do with that that field. Uh, Whereas to be honest, you know, I don't go into uh, a lot of the different things that I used to be taught at university. Um, they don't seem to have a huge amount of impact, you know, from from the marketing side on, on you know the way I think the 
the the way I run business. Surprisingly, this is interesting for me. Is there is there anything that you've you've kind of really kept from doing business in psychology that you've that you've taken forward into your career? Or that is that, or or was it just kind of it was the uni experience? Because I look back on my uni experience and it's like I can't really nail down anything that helped me moving into my career. Uh, it was a time that I spent, and I'm glad that I had that sort of block to to work on my own projects outside of uni but the actual uni system didn't do much for me is there but I'd imagine I mean I studied fine art so and and didn't really learn anything but but um but with with you I like I would imagine like psychology and business those are quite in-depth courses is there any sort of takeaways that have, have helped you moving forward into your career I'm definitely also a little bit personally a little bit doubtful about how much I have taken away and it's very difficult to be specific isn't it about mm. Um, these are the things that I use day to day in my business. But I think that there's almost this, um, there's things that are a little bit more subtle maybe that change the way you think and the change the kind of language, you know. So for example, uh, let's just talk about the marketing side, like studying marketing. You definitely learn the terminology of marketing. So you're hearing all these words, you're hearing all these phrases and things that are kind of known in the industry. That's helpful. So you, you kind of get the lingo, you get the language and you kind of slot into it with that. So that's great. So that's quite vague, but it's helpful. Uh, and then on the psychology side, I find that psychology and going to the depths of how psychology works, how they, how experiments work, the scientific method, um, for me, that was really inspirational because you learn about human fallibility and you learn about how you overcome that. You, you learn about all these interesting dynamics of how people work and how you can observe that, the different ways you can do experiments. And all these things are like fascinating but also they, they're, t- they're teaching you something that has have these interesting ramifications in the way you think about how you know, society works and, and how you can run things. And yeah, I, I, found, I find that, yeah, just, just let's just say, for example, the scientific method um, is a great, uh, it's a great tool to have and a great, great piece of knowledge to have. You can start to apply that in different ways um, in just kind of day to day and how you think about things, how you make opinions, how you form uh, processes, things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's that's a, you know it's, it's hard to answer it in a way that is very specific, but broadly speaking, I think that there have been positive things that you know happen almost kind of subconsciously in a way. I think the psychology point is really really interesting because and and it's probably something that we should all learn because once you understand human behaviour, then I think you can just be more empathetic. I mean, it certainly helps in business understanding why someone's going to make a purchasing decision. But I mean, equally, if someone starts shouting at you in Tesco's, it's it's quite nice to be able to understand and be more empathetic because you know what's happening and you know what the what the sort of decisions are. So moving forward now, we're kind of leaving uni and moving down to London. That was kind of like a point in your life where I noticed a real change in kind of who you were. I feel like you grew in confidence so fast within those few years of being here. You changed from being someone who I saw as being a bit more kind of shy and reserved to someone who was quite a confident, outgoing person who could just go up to people and start a conversation. Was that something you noticed change or was it something that maybe I didn't notice before? Yeah, really good question. That's actually kind of fascinating to hear that that was your perception of me at the time because and I think that if I were to try and understand what was the cause of that? I think I was thrust into the workplace and um, suddenly you know, I had to learn all these, these mechanisms and this way of being which is confident and uh, how to, to survive in a uh, open plan office with you know, 30 extrovert people who all want to work and all got, you know, striving to, to, to hit this goal or whatever. 
you know, I definitely had to learn certain things doing that. And maybe that's what you started to observe um, that change in me. But, you know, on the inside, on, on internally myself, I was struggling during that time quite a lot uh, because I wasn't really doing something in my career that I found was right for me. I found that the actually the environment of working in an open plan office with 30 extra votes was not right for me at all. I, I was, you know, uh, the kind of person that I am, I'm quite introverted. I'm, I'm the kind of person who would rather do their own thing and have their own space to think about things. And, you know, I'm not that great working in that kind of team environment. And that was a struggle. That was like a really, really tough phase. I mean, you know, the, that, that phase of leaving university and starting work uh, was what I look back on as like wow you know I, that's definitely something that I'm trying to I mean having started my own business that has been something I've been trying to move away from so yeah very interesting that your perspective on that was that I was kind of like you know feeling really confident and really good because it, yeah internally it was a lot more of a battle and uh, a difficult phase actually looking back on it now. So what would you say to someone who's in that situation where they're working in a big agency and they feel like that's not for them because I feel like for a lot of people and like yourself, you'd come out of uni with a degree. That was the obvious next step to kind of actually go and get a job in the thing that you've just spent the last three years getting a degree to go and do. Yeah. What would yeah, what would your advice be to someone who's thrown into a situation like that where they don't necessarily feel comfortable or feel like it's the place for them? Yeah, you know what? And I think that there's so many people that are in the same spot. And this is the this is the thing. I mean, I think the statistics on this are crazy. It's something like eighty percent of people are not happy at work. And I was one of those people, and yeah, I, I definitely would be keen to try it and and get share a few thoughts and ideas and actual you know practical things that people could do. So, you know, w one of the things that we've already sp spoken about, right, is is you've got to you've got to understand who you are, who you who you personally are. And uh, for me, uh, you know, it was very difficult, but I had to basically understand that I was I am an introverted person who w works best in a it, striving for their own you know business, doing their own thing. Um, solving their own problems in, in, in their own space <laughs> you know just typical introvert right and and that for me was a realization that I had to come to through this kind of slow gradual process and I, f I feel that yeah if, if you're struggling at work and you're not in enjoying your environment I'd say the first thing to do is start to understand who you are um, and figure that out and and th th there are ways you can do that simple ways I mean one thing that I would highly recommend which seems simple but is I think really helpful and to give you some, some more context and language around who, personality traits and that is to go online to do a personality test and see what comes back I mean and I can tell you that you know there are these free ones you can do they give you the you know four uh, letter MBTI test and this is not you know an exact science but it will give you a framework of thinking okay actually what kind of person am I what kind of person what kind of environment should I be working in um, so I, I found I personally did that myself, and I slowly kind of coming to terms of who I was. That was that was super helpful. Um, but that's just the environment you're working in. I think the other thing is, and the big, the, maybe even the, the harder question is, what should you be doing? You know, what is the career path that I'm going to take? And this, I think, is the hardest question you can you can really ask. And so for some people, it's easy. Some people, for myself included, it was not an easy question to answer. And um, again, I'll give you a practical uh, thing that you, people can do. If people are home listening to this and, and they're thinking, yeah, I'm still trying to figure this out. I would say, you know, sit down with a pen and paper and write down everything that you love to do. Um, 
and just start by just writing a list, you know, 10 things, 20 things, as many as you can. Um, all the things you do on a weekend, uh, if you had a free weekend to do whatever you want, you know, things you get into flow state doing, things that you love to do, anything. And then once you've written that list, write down what it is you love about that thing. And so you might start to just go really into the details of what it is exactly you like. It. So for example, for me, you know, chess, again, we'll bring that up. I love chess for the fact that it's a problem solving thing, but some people might like chess because it's a really great uh, memory training tool, right? Some people would love to learn the openings, but some people just love it because it's, it's a social sport, you know, whatever. There are different ways to like things. And I think if you start to write that list down, write those things that you love down and get to know yourself, um, what you will see is what we mentioned earlier, which is that you will start to see these themes and threads through your personality and through your strengths and through your things you, you know you love to do. And with that, you can start to say, okay, I actually understand myself better and I can start to make decisions about which direction I want to move in, for, you know, in, in the future and where I should potentially be going, where my career should be going. I mean, that, that for me, when I did that for myself, um, was very, very helpful. Um, it identified certain different paths that I could then take. Um, and the, it laid the foundation, I'd say, laid the foundation for the decisions that I ended up making. But um, yeah, I, f I found that super, super helpful. I think one thing you touched upon there is when making that list, think about things that you go into flow state with. I think that's a really, really important thing because I think as soon as you get into flow state on something, that means there's probably something there inside you that has this ability to just get lost in that. And I think so much of what finding a passion, finding a purpose, finding a root in life is finding things that get you into that flow state, that put you in that kind of little zone of just enjoyment because when you're in that it's so good and i think as well if you're i think writing that list that you've just said that is a, such an important thing that everyone needs to do and i think if you're struggling writing that list maybe keep a notepad or paper or just a note in your phone on you at all times and every time you notice that time has just flown by make a note of that because i think that you've probably experienced flow state through doing that like if you've been playing a game, if you've been doing something, you've just gone for a walk and you've kind of gone like, oh my God, how's, how's two hours passed so quickly? Mm. Make a note of that because that is something that you've, you've really enjoyed doing. And yeah, I think that's some, some really good advice there. So we're obviously talking about the, the job you got after uni there. Yeah. I think one thing that always stands out, and I've told a lot of people about it since, and I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, is when it came to you getting a job, you didn't just do the normal thing that everyone else does and go on job sites and post like email CVs. You had a different approach to getting getting a job, didn't you? Yeah, I went all out. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, basically, yeah. Out of university, I it was it's, it is super hard when you have no experience and you are trying to get a job, and uh, you know they say, "Why should I hire you?" It's like, well. I work really hard, I'm, I'm really enthusiastic, you know, there's, there's not much more you can say. So I knew that I had to do something a bit different and, and you know, try and impress and, and try and get, get myself in the door. And so basically, I walked in the door myself, <laughs> literally, and uh, I, I did a bit of research before and I basically, you know, the, the, the way it went was I, I researched all the best agencies I would, you know, ideally work for. And this is at the time where I thought actually working agency was what I wanted. And this is, shows how, how little I knew about myself at the time, I suppose. But um, yeah, I went for it, made that list of the 20 agencies, found, I called all of them, found out who the person was that uh, I needed to speak to, someone who would basically be in charge of hiring. And uh, by calling them, getting the name, getting any details I could, 
and then I would I actually made a little uh, kind of binder little book in a sense that had my face on it that you know that had my CV in it and some some words about why I wanted to work you know that kind of thing and um, yeah I walked into the I, walked, I went up to London from you know Southampton from where from where I'm from and uh, t- took a few days to walk around London walking into these agencies and handing this uh, to hopefully that person so I could have a conversation with them and um, yeah I mean it just it, it basically was this idea that in order to stand out you've got to do something a bit different and uh yeah that was that was a that was a lesson definitely that that paid off because it it works you know it got me that first job and it got me my foot in the door uh at the time when you know a lot of you guys a lot of the people i knew from university had already got a a job in london so the pressure was on me to to make that happen but it yeah definitely worked and and that lesson i think is something that that still resonates with me you know today going the extra mile basically and, and doing something a bit different You're listening to Creative Rebels, the podcast for creatives. If you're enjoying this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast in any way that you can. At that time, did you think that Adam was nuts though? Because knowing your friendship group, most of you had gone and got like quote unquote proper jobs. Whereas Adam was bumming around with me in a cold garage in South Norwood painting on walls. Did you think he was a little bit nuts? No, honestly, I was super impressed. I mean, you know, I've known that I've seen that Adam's got an entrepreneurial side to him. You know, I've know, I've seen that for a long time. And uh, seeing seeing him build a business and, and take that risk is something that I was like really, like, I, I thought that was really commendable. Um, and, you know, I guess at the time for me, looking back, I was like, wow, you know, that's that's really commendable. I hope that one day I can do that, mm. you know. Um, uh, but at that time, you know, just the options weren't available, and so that was a little, a little spark, a little idea in, in in my mind that you know I was hoping that it would become something in the future. But no, I I, I thought it was great. I, I've always kind of been cheering you guys on from the sidelines. So yeah, you're in this kind of media space in London, basically not enjoying what you're doing for a day, like doing day to day. Is is it around this time that you started meditating? Yeah, so I, I started meditating uh, about two years into, after arriving in London. A friend of mine pointed me to Headspace, uh, which is the app. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I honestly think, and I think it's really interesting that you've brought this up because I wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking you would, but I honestly do think that meditation has been such a useful tool for me. And I do see a inflection point from that moment, I think, when I started meditating. Uh, because it kind of gave me a sense of perspective I found so you're living out your life in London and you know as you as you point out I wasn't really enjoying my career I was kind of in a bit of a rut and there was this constant question what do I do about this how do I get out of this you know what am I going to do and in order to answer that question you need perspective right and uh, for me, I just was amazed by the, the impact of just sitting down in my bedroom and closing my eyes and focusing on the breath for 15 minutes, right? You come out of that and you feel different and you have a different, your mind is different, it's clearer. And I do think that just, just, that, just that one factor, you know, because there's many, many positive factors to meditating and I, I could bang on about this for a long time, but that just that factor alone is uh, i think has been pivotal for me obviously coming to london i saw a big change in you it was after you kind of come back from india and you'd done that 10-day meditation retreat 
I feel like there was another shift in your kind of mindset. Leaving London and going to India, it sounds like really cliche, right? You just kind of, you know, you go traveling, you discover yourself, all that. Kind go of to stuff. find yourself, yeah. <laughs> but um, there, is a, there is a sense of truth to that. And I think that it's, it's back to that idea of, of finding perspective, right? Removing yourself from the situation, looking at something from a different angle. And one way of doing that for me was meditation. Another way was to leave London, get a completely different vibe, different culture, and then come back. And one aspect of that, yeah, was this 10-day this silent retreat, Vipassana. Um, where you do get to sit and take 10 days to really just reset your mind. And it was at that point where I, I'd written that list, right? I'd written that list of things I loved. And I, I knew what I loved and I knew what I, I potentially could do. And at that point, it was like a few roots, you know, like one of them was music. I really love music. Uh, so maybe it could do something with like that. Maybe it could be uh, design, right? Problem solving. And the other one was kind of tech. So it's like, I'm kind of in this point now where I'm trying to make this decision to basically just start my career again big decision and I think that just taking those 10 days to just totally clarify my mind uh, and and uh, think things through and, and, and think about the outcomes what things might be was so helpful so so helpful and it was pretty much as a result of that that I came out of there saying right design is the one this is definitely the, the path I want to go down here um, and it was after that that yeah you, you must have seen me come back from india enlightened <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know and, and ready to go on this journey down the design route and with with this with this complete dedication and drive to go and do that you know that, that was just so clear to me at that stage so uh yeah really it's really interesting to hear the observations that you were making at that point as well that seems like a, a much more positive way of coming to that decision because i think for most people there's like a breaking point where Tracy annoys them for the final time and they snap and they're like, I've got to leave this job. And it's it's nice to, I suppose it goes to show that if we just sit and reflect, it's it, we can actually come to those decisions without it getting to the point where there's the straw that breaks the camel's back and we have to, we have to react because it's too painful. We can just like, just sit in it, think about like who we are as people, what we're getting from the situation we're in currently and where we want to go. That's probably a lot more productive. Yeah, for sure. I think I mean, that's kind of uh, one of the benefits of meditation, I suppose you could say, which is it, you are observing your mind, you're getting to know your mind, you're, you're seeing what comes up, right? And you're getting to terms with that. And yeah, I think the the other option, right, is to just wait until your mind literally shouts at you and says, no, this is enough, right? You Yeah, you, you want to short circuit that and uh, understand that early and uh, and hopefully, you know, preemptively act on it, right? Um, so I'll be interested. Yeah. Do, do you guys meditate? Are you guys into this? or Adam does. I don't. Um, I find that when I'm painting that I do definitely get into flow state and I get I can get into flow state really quickly. Um, and and the thing is, I also listen to podcasts while I paint. So my brain is working a million miles a minute. I'm not really concentrating on the painting. I'm formulating my thoughts and thinking about business and all of this different stuff is happening in my head while the action of painting is happening as well so um for me i feel like that forms my meditation um i like going for walks with my but again i always go with my girlfriend so we're we're having conversations so um i don't actually take that time to sit and breathe and do all of that stuff and then for me i kind of I feel like, yeah, what David mentioned there, and I feel like I've always had that as art for me and 
being creative when it's just you and something is meditative meditative i feel like being in that state of flow is just really calming and kind of really relaxing but what i found is because i remember trying meditation years ago and like doing it first thing in the morning and i was like i don't feel like i'm getting anything from this i feel like it's like i've given it a good try i've tried it for like a few months or something and i've not seen any change so it just kind of feel, felt like a bit of a waste of time but then more recently i like my girlfriend started doing it every single morning and i was like okay i'm going to give that another another go and but instead of doing it in the mornings i you do it kind of early afternoon when i feel like in a day you kind of get busier and busier and as kind of like a stress level creeps up then I use that to kind of like just relax, calm everything down, clear my thoughts, clear my head. And then coming out of that, I just feel so different. And it makes the afternoon a very different thing to how it would be before, where by the time it would hit kind of like six, seven o'clock, I would just be absolutely shattered because all this kind of stress and like what I've been doing had built up all day. Whereas having that kind of little vent around midday just really calms me and gets me in a much better place nice yeah can totally relate to that and i think yeah that kind of links back to to what i was saying about just the the, the way things just feel different after just even if it's just a simple 10 minutes um you know you just feel different and yeah i think for people who are trying to figure out what they want to do and what they're trying to what, where they're trying to go and they're not maybe that happy with what they're doing in their career in their life whatever um being able to get that sense of calm perspective and uh and to just reset the mind a little bit, uh, I found, yeah, really, really helpful, really, really useful. Um, so, so yeah, that's definitely a suggestion. Is there any tips you can give to people for getting into meditation who maybe have tried it and they don't really see any benefit from it straight away? Yeah, definitely. Um, one, the one thing I'd always point people to is the app, which is actually Waking Up. It's by Sam Harris. And, uh, this app will is, is full of really amazing, interesting uh, techniques of meditation. But there's one kind of course, this introductory course. It's a 50-day course, um, and it gives you pretty much a crash course in meditation from the very beginning through to some of the more um, d- the deeper, interesting, explorative stuff. And I absolutely love this app. It's amazing. You know, I'm using it every day pretty much now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, you, you do have to pay for it. There is a subscription fee, which is around, I think, £15, something like that. But uh, I will I'll quickly have to add that there is a way you can get it for free, which is by emailing them and asking for them for free, and they'll give it to you. So they don't want anyone to be kind of priced out of using this and, and getting the benefit. So yeah, that's a, that's a great way to get started. There's a little ad for waking up. <laughs> <laughs> that's super interesting. Um, so... You've come back from India and you've decided that I need to change what I'm doing in my life. I feel like a lot of people would be like, okay, well, I've actually spent three years at uni studying this. I've been working for the past few years. I'm too deep into this now to change. Totally. But that's not true, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely how I felt. It is an extremely difficult mental hurdle to get over, right? You've dedicated as you say, all this time to both studying and learning it, uh, you know, in, in your career, you're down on this kind of almost like what feels like a train track and you have to basically get yourself off it. And um, anybody you, you ask, I mean, if I said to someone who I worked with back then, oh yeah, I'm going to go and become a designer, they would probably have laughed in my face. They would probably have 
been just completely like you you've lost the plot um and that is just the that's the mentality uh, you know unfortunately a lot of people will have and the truth is that it is possible and you can change um it just yeah it just requires you to make that big that big leap and that, that big step and i i totally see how it's it can be very scary to do um but you know when you put it into the context of this is your life you just hope you spend most of your life if it's not something you're enjoying and you have it just the very least enjoying right i, I wouldn't even go as far as to say your passion i'd just say just make sure you're enjoying it and it could become your passion um then you know you, you you've got to make that change you know it's, it's so it's so important so yeah i think in the right context it, it makes sense but it's it's a it's a definite you know mental hurdle to get over it's some cost fallacy isn't it i suppose of you've spent all of this time in one thing so you have to keep going on it and and i think that holds so many people back i think it's it's one of the main things that is is really limiting people is just because you've spent so long on something to to actually i, I use the word abandon it but it's like <laughs> If you if it's not making you happy, then you should abandon it, like like gleefully abandon it. Totally, and it's you know I think now having having abandoned it and done something new and finding that really enjoyable and that you know entering a whole new world and just saying wow this is just a whole new thing that I can sink my teeth into right, and then you start to realise that you can do this whenever you want practically, and so for me you know it's been a case of more recently trying out becoming a teacher right and just doing some completely new thing completely different different direction because it's 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 possible it, you know once you realize that you can do this and it, the world doesn't just crumble around you um then then it kind of really opens you up it makes you it makes you feel way more confident and they're able to explore many different things which is great so what did you do to change your career path like what kind of route did you take yeah well this is basically you know as i said the the, the hard question was what do I want to do? And then once you've once you know what you want to do, it's like okay, that's the hardest bit done. Um, now we just got to get there. And so for me, the way to get there was to, to if through education. I went to design college. It was a three month design college, and for me that was basically like just a shortcut. Just got me to where I needed to be, and it worked. It worked amazingly, right? I came out of college with a portfolio. I had the skills that I needed to start working uh, at, a, at a studio. So that was great. Um, so if, if education is an option that, you, that someone has, I'd say 100% consider that. Um, but the, the other beautiful thing at the, this point in time is that there's so much knowledge available for free online. And so we are living in a time where there's never been so much knowledge online for free that you can access. And that is definitely an, another option. If that's something that you, know, you think, okay, I can't really afford education or it's not really an option for me right now, there still are other options, but I would I would definitely caveat that with, you know, if you can go for education and you can you can spend some money on that, that you you make the money back because you know for me it was three months that I learned everything I needed to learn about design and what I needed to learn to actually get a job. Um, you know, if I had done that on my own, I honestly think that would have probably taken me at least a year. So, you know, time definitely has a a value, right? So. Yeah, education for me was was the the big decision, right? And uh, that that's really what kind of just propelled me into that career path. I was fortunate enough to choose a college that I knew had a great reputation. I had done my research, uh, you know, I'd seen the reviews. It was the right move. 
Um, so I would say, like, you know, if you're going to choose an education source, whether that's an online course or if that's a, a college, whatever, uh, make sure you've done your research. Make sure you know that it's a good, a, a good call. You know, when it's done well and when it's right, it can, it can be such a, an amazing way of, of of learning something quickly and getting yourself into the right career path. So you came out of that course and like you've built up a portfolio within that. You then went to get a job within design. How was that? Was it kind of what you expected or was it what you hoped for? I mean, I, I left college and I actually tried to start a business and I failed. And <clears throat> I basically just didn't have the skills. I didn't have the professionalism. I didn't have clients. So all the skills that you, know, you need, basically all the things you need to start a business I didn't quite have. So I, yeah, so I got a job in, in, uh, in a branding agency and... Um, yeah, I felt like I, I felt like I ticked one of the boxes, you know. I, I was doing something I loved, and I was I was really really happy about that, you know. I was enjoying my job and loving this direction that I was going in, so that was super positive. Um, but unfortunately, the the still I hadn't quite uh, figured out the the environment I was working in, right? I still wasn't that happy in an office environment. Um, I wasn't really performing at my best. Um, I wasn't really thriving in that in in that kind of uh, environment, right? So. Um, there was still something to be solved there. Um, so it was a great experience. I definitely learned a huge amount and I got all the skills and you know contacts and things that I needed to then go and start a business. And so it was, it was massively helpful and useful in that regard. But um, there was still that kind of niggling problem that, that was yet to be solved. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think a lot of people might finish university or just have this idea that they want to start their own company. But they don't actually know the industry yet like when we first started like we kind of just threw ourselves into it and it was really really hard for a long period of time and we had to learn on the go but I think one easy route into that is doing exactly what you've done and go and get a job somewhere where you can learn from other people really quickly like they've put in the time already to learn how to do that how to get clients what kind of what works in a professional environment so if you can go there and learn that from them then when it comes to going out on your own it makes it like so much easier. Yeah, there's a huge value in, in getting to know what the, the ways are of the industry. Getting contacts, for sure, is, is, is huge. Um, and yeah, it can give you that foundation. And you know, yeah, for me, it was it was really interesting to, in a way to kind of come out of college, try, try starting a business. Okay, that doesn't work. Doing this time in, in an agency, coming out, okay, now it works. And it was just night and day. And so then coming out of that job then, you decided to go freelance and start a business again what kind of made you make that decision and what were the struggles that you first came across yeah well you know the decision was forced upon me honestly um you know i i when i left my branding agency job i was the most junior person and just the the circumstances transpired that they had to get let someone go and that was me and so at the time that was devastating you know i was actually really enjoying this new career path and i was you know hoping to keep continue with it but that that choice was forced upon me and so i took the opportunity to start my business and you know it turns out although, although at the time it was something i was really upset about it ended up being one of the best things that could have happened to me because starting that business and doing it with all the skills i'd learnt basically was just like something like a fire was ignited in, in within me right i just suddenly found myself i'd figured out both of those two things right i'd figured out first of all what i was doing uh, so i was enjoying that and then i was also building my own business and really playing to my strengths in that regard right I was, I was operating my own thing and so for me it was it was an amazing thing like it really I think back to that and I, I was working like crazy uh, from my bedroom you know and 
absolutely loving every second of it and I just totally got the bug and so yeah for, for me that was a it was a really interesting phase in a sense and I look back at that I think wow how long would I have actually continued in that job if I if I hadn't you know got pushed I might have I might have stayed there for a long time you know and I, I, I think I probably would have started a business eventually but how long would it have taken you know it's very difficult to say. So, it, and I've, I think I've heard you guys talk about this as well uh, on your podcast and about you know, some people just need to fire themselves, yeah. right? And <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's a great mentality. If you think you can do it and you've got all the resources and the skills and contacts you need, then maybe it's time to do that for yourself. And I, I love that. I love that. You mentioned when you tried the first time, one of the things that you didn't have is uh, clients. Uh, now you do have clients. Where Where were you finding them? How did you go about getting them? Yeah, so to begin with, um, the way that I've got clients throughout my business has evolved and changed over time. Uh, at that very beginning point, as I said, contacts. So it's really about referrals. So um, I actually left my job very amicably with my with the boss, with the guy who, who ran it. And so uh, he actually did, did okay, in a sense, set me up, in a sense, with my first few clients. So. It was just those referrals and just him saying, okay, look, you, you can give me one piece of work. This is basically the way it worked. It was like, you can give me one piece of work. I will send it to my list of people, right? And if they like it, they'll work with you. So this is my one shot. And so for me, I made a I made a showreel uh, of all my work, so an animation. And um, yeah, sent it to him and he sent it to his group and some, some work came back. That was, that was how it began. So I was lucky enough to have someone in the right place who'd share my, my work and basically just gave me that one like push into the industry, which was great. Uh, but then after that, you know, it, it was more about then reaching out to my broader network, right? Basically just talking to everybody I knew, family, friends, ex-colleagues, everyone, and um, getting my, my work out there, trying to see if there's opportunities. And that was probably the hardest bit, right? You, you're, you're basically just trying to find clients out there in, in, in this kind of very broad scattergun approach, which is a lot of work for small returns. But when you're starting out, you just have to do that, right? Um, and then now really, at, the, at this point in my, because I've been running this business now for almost four years, um, I've reached that point where I have these different avenues of getting work that now kind of self-sustain. And um, it, that, that just takes time, that just takes time getting good referrals, getting more clients, they refer you to new clients, that's part of it. Another part of it is getting to the point where you're able to, for me, I use it as a platform, I should probably mention the platform TopTal, which is really great for finding work if you're a designer. Um, I mean, without going into a huge amount of detail about that one, you basically go through a very rigorous interview process and it's and it basically, once you get through that, you basically get a access to a pool of global clients that will work with you remotely so those two kind of major ways have been that's kind of been my progression in a sense with how i found clients. what's it called top tail top tail so t-o-p-t-a-l so one thing you touched upon there is the fact that allowed it allowed you to work remotely you've lived in numerous different places over the past however many years what is it about remote work that really kind of that you love it was definitely a goal of mine to see more of the world right um and i did as i said before you know I, I left london at one point uh when i was still trying to figure out my business and or even my design career right and i went to india and in traveling india was great but i did feel this sense of i'm kind of just doing all this fun stuff and where am i going with all this what's the am i building anything am i growing anything and if you were to say to me at that point well in the future you'll be able to do that 
but also grow your career, grow your business, and you know continue to earn money and to to do all those things. Um, that would be just like an ideal scenario. So that's kind of really what it is. You know, there are the tools and opportunities available online now to successfully grow a business, and you don't need to actually be located in anywhere. You know, to, uh, specifically to be able to do that. You know, all you need is an internet connection. So. That's that's one aspect of it. It's just it's, you know fulfilling that desire to travel and see more of the world. Um, but I would also say that you know working. For, so currently we're we're living here in Bali. We have been now for the last year. Um, living abroad and living in Bali definitely comes with a huge number of lifestyle improvements over let's say like what I found to be living in London. And so um, yeah, just just you know the cost of living here the the lovely weather the beach i mean I, the list goes on right you know going going to nice co-working spaces and meeting fellow entrepreneurs and it's it's just uh it's it's nice to be able to go somewhere and experience a different way of life and uh um there there are just a, a load of different benefits to that and, and surprisingly i've actually found it to be better for my business this is this is this is the thing that even i was surprised about that when I left London, I thought that probably, yeah, obviously there's benefits to living in Bali, you know, um, but it's, it's actually amazing to see how that when you come to a place like this, you surround yourself with other entrepreneurs, um, you end up kind of adopting a lifestyle where you have much more time uh, to be able to spend on the things you want to, which is, you know, for me, growing my business, um, uh, for example. And you also get the you get an upgrade, or at least I got a major upgrade from my bedroom, as I mentioned before, to a co-working space, which is uh, somewhere where you can get you know be really productive and uh, kind of get inspired and, and learn a lot of things. So, yeah, it's it's kind of been almost counterintuitive in a way that uh, going to somewhere like Bali. I mean, my family probably were a little bit dubious about this concept of me just you know heading off to this side of the world and just saying yeah don't worry i'm gonna work i'm gonna i'm gonna grow this business it's gonna be fine <laughs> don't think they, they fully were on board or believe that but um it, it, it's surprising in a way but it does actually work can work really well to a lot of people the idea of going and working from a laptop in bali just sounds like this incredible dream that is so unachievable um one thing you were talking to me about kind of previously like when we were having a chat was the fact that you see a lot of people there who actually don't enjoy what they do, but they're, they've just kind of moved there for the, for the lifestyle. I feel like you've kind of hit it perfectly where you're doing what you enjoy doing and you've got the lifestyle. How important is it, do you think, to find what it is you love to do before you go compared to just moving over there and then trying to find it on the go? Yeah, yeah, I think that is important and you're right you know a lot of people do come here and just hope that they'll figure it out on arrival and some people may may actually do that right so I, I don't have anything against that specifically but if i were to just suggest to people right if you're considering going to live in bali and you want to you want to make a business or start up something but you don't know what it is yet i would definitely highly recommend you do the thinking beforehand you make that decision beforehand you start to maybe even get some clients you get some stability. This is actually kind of like a, a difficult one to balance because on one hand, you, I don't want to dissuade people or discourage people that want to come out here. And I know that it's difficult when you want to come out here. To, you, you will tell yourself a lot of things. If you're like me, I was saying to myself, okay, I haven't got enough money. Um, I haven't got enough clients. 
I'm not ready. I'm scared to do it. It's just, you know, it's, it's intimidating to leave the, your home, your home to go to somewhere new and foreign and different. All these different reasons. You can, you can come up with thousands of excuses not to, not to do it, right? But I just got the advice, just go for it. You've got enough. I already had a business at the time. I had some clients. So I, I had the bare basics. And to be honest, that is all you need. You just need to come out after that point and you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll make it work if, if you've got those. But as I say, get those get those fundamentals down i'd say first um have a little bit of a runway in terms of you know financially uh and then and then make the leap out of interest how much of a runway did you have if you can get specific i would always say four months minimum ideally more than that but in my mind if you if you're like hustling seriously hard every day for four months you're gonna get some work you, you know if you can if you can give yourself six months obviously it's gonna be way better if you know, and so on but um at the very least four months is, is a good is a good uh, target to aim for one thing you touched upon there is the fact that being in bali gives you a lot more time i know that you've spent the last like six months or a certain amount of time anyway kind of not doing client work and working on your own kind of passion project like what have you been creating there so yeah the last six months i've been working on a course that teaches my method for running brand strategy workshops. And really the, the reason I've been doing that for the last six months is kind of like what we've all been talking about this whole time, right? There has been this transition from being in a place where you're not happy and you're trying to make a career work and a business work, so on, to, to a point where things are much better and kind of on the right track. And so for me, it felt like the right time to start helping more people do that. And yeah, pretty much the, the thing that I identified as being probably a huge factor in my business success and the ability to work remotely, and uh, it is the workshop process that I uh, uh, offer to my clients. Yeah, so I put all that together into a course that uh, makes it really easy for people to start to, to learn and do that themselves. Uh, and what is brand strategy? Uh, maybe it's easy for me to answer that question by saying, first of all, what a brand is. So... A brand is what people feel about your business. And um, people think that maybe like a brand is a, is, a, is a logo or a brand is the marketing, or a brand is the messaging, but it's really just a gut feeling about a business. And branding and brand strategy is the steps that you take to influence that, that gut feeling in a positive way. So uh, when we do a workshop, what we're doing is we're basically saying, right, let's look at all the different aspects of your business let's see how we can influence the brand this brand this gut feeling in the mind of the customer and there are many different levers and tools we can do to do that and what kind of things would you do as a workshop to help people work that out yeah so within the workshop i uh, cover eight different sections um, and i'll just quickly run through those so first of all is we help you define your brand define your business what is it you're doing why are you doing it what's the mission uh, then we go through your four brand keywords. This is what you use to basically really refine down exactly what you're about into four words. Uh, we then go through market positioning, which is basically how you uniquely uh, situate yourself in the market. Th then we talk about personas. So we start to think about wh who's your ideal customer and, um, and we start to formulate a real person that we can, we can identify. The fifth thing is a competitor analysis. We look at the market, what are the competitors doing? and how can we uh, learn from them, from what they do well and what they don't do well. 
So number six is messaging. This is basically where we uh, look at how we can talk about the product and talk about its value, the value it generates for the customer. Number seven is the, your website strategy. And we look at what kind of content is actually involved in the website. What's the, what are the goals of the site? And then finally, we look at the, the business challenges and business uh, measurable metrics of success. And so with all of that, all that information that we pull out of that workshop is then basically all of the foundation that we need to then start designing. We can make much better design decisions based on uh, all that information that we pull from the workshop. I think what's really interesting about that is it's almost like kind of going back full circle to what you did with yourself years ago. It's kind of like really working out who you are and what you want and who, what kind of place to put yourself in. I think it's really interesting that that was the kind of pivotal point in your life and that's kind of now what you're doing, helping other people make that pivot to help their businesses go in the right direction. Right, that's a really interesting observation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe that's that's one of the big themes of this podcast has been basically just understanding yourself and understanding what kind of strengths you have and how are there ways that you can play to them. And so for me, uh, my strengths have been strategy, uh, problem solving and design and creativity, that kind of side of things. And so I suppose the workshop for me is the culmination of those skills into one service. Cool. Well, thank you so much for this. I think this has been really interesting. Um, where can people find you online? Okay, yeah. So uh, people can find me if they Google Osborne Branding Academy, they can find the course. And uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, you can just put in charlieosborne.co. Thank you, dude. That was thank really you fun. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, guys.